G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Your Heavenly Father's pulling for you and knows you're in over your head. He knows that you're limited in your understanding of everything that's going on. He knows you're outmatched by the circumstances of this world. He knows you're outmatched by an opponent who wants to pin you and have you surrender and give up. While you're in this battle, oh, Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. He's up in his chair, giving you a prevailing presence, cheering you on. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Today with Jeff Vines. We're continuing in Pastor Jeff's Unpossible series. In this series, Pastor Jeff is explaining seven resolutions he's found in Judges chapters six and seven. Today, he's up to resolution number five. In these verses, we see how God sent Gideon great encouragement when it was really needed. If you're enjoying this series, make sure to find all the messages on your favourite podcast app. Search for Today with Jeff Vines and the Unpossible series. Right now, let's hear the rest of this message. Now, Pastor Jeff, I know some of you are going to say, now stay with me, you're going to say, Pastor Jeff, if God spoke to me like he did Gideon, I'd be encouraged too. You know, if some dream, God said, go to the camp, go down to the camp, hear this voice, hear this dream. Man, I thought, if God spoke audibly to me and told me to do that and that happened to me, I'd feel comfort too. But remember, you're forgetting something. You got something Gideon didn't have. Where Gideon is concerned, God showed up from time to time and you never knew when. But you and I have God living in us through the Holy Spirit. John 14, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. Here we go again. You have the Holy Spirit, but here's the question. And I hope that you've heard me say this over the last 15 years. Let's bring it all together now. What ammunition does the Holy Spirit have to speak words of encouragement to you? Hey, do you remember the only offensive weapon in Ephesians 6 as we put on the armor every day? Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. The Word of God in us cooperates with the Spirit of God in us to speak the right word at the right time. Every moment and every day of our lives, not just in one great experience through some dream, but every single day of our lives. Paul said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This transformed is the word metamorpho, which is the word from which we get the English word metamorphosis. And that reminds us of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. And the butterfly experiences things that the caterpillar can never experience because he's morphed. He's experienced something that has changed him from the inside out. We are the same way. The Holy Spirit is in you, yes, 
but the Holy Spirit and the Word work in conjunction to give you the right word at the right time in the right place so that you do not become discouraged. In the very first Psalm, David says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is on the law, you could say word of the Lord, and who meditates on the law or the word day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. In other words, there's no depression to death. Whatever they do prospers. Again, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit the mind governed by the spirit, the word of God, and the mind is life and peace. Don't you see? Faintness of heart comes to everyone, no matter how strong you think you are. But we have a heavenly father, our father, Abba father, who art in heaven, Uranus, closer than the air that you breathe. Our father knows when we become discouraged. Unlike the gods of The world religions, the Christian God is a personal God possessing empathy for every human being. He's involved in your life immeasurably more than you could ever hope or imagine. And no other philosophy or religion, when you say that all religions are the same, in the kindest way I can, you're clueless, modern or ancient. No philosophy, no religion today or in times past presents a caring, feeling personal God, a loving father who deeply loves his children and comes alongside them in their time of need. Now, here's the question in the time we have left. How does God release that encouragement? Now, we've already hinted the word of the Lord. The spirit fires the right word at the right time into your life. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, amazing passage of scripture. For the word of the Lord is active and alive or alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, what does this mean? The word of God is the only thing that can go down deep past your actions into your desires and then past your desires into your heart and your true motivation. One of my favorite stories I've referred to often is John 21, where Christ comes to restore Peter and he asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he's trying to get Peter to admit, Peter, you don't have the unconditional love for me that I have for you. At best, you have a friendship love and even that's been called into question now because you've denied you even knew me. At the end of that, the third time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He asked him, are we even friends? And Peter says something interesting. He says, Lord, you know all things. He knows Christ is omniscient. You know all, they, all things. You know that I love you. Here's what Peter's saying. Don't look at my actions. <laughs> I know what I did. Look into my heart and you know. You know in my heart I love you. Man, that's so good. The Spirit of God is able to look past even your failures and your actions and all your sins and knows who you really are. And if you have the spirit of God living in you, that spirit is able to speak a direct word to your heart contingent upon your willingness to live a posture of life that constantly feeds on the word of God. There's a heavy price to pay when we are ignorant of God's revelation to us. There's a reason Jesus established the church and formed a community of believers. There's a reason pastors tell you 
to get into community where the word is being read. I love what Peter says. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. The word of God is for your life and success. It's for your shalom, your peace, your joy. Now, the question is, if it's the word of the Lord, where do we find it? And the answer is, first of all, we find it in the house of the Lord. Do you remember what David said in Psalm 122? I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. He's saying peace within the house of the Lord. For the sake of the house or, or for the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your prosperity. Not his prosperity. I seek for the prosperity of the house of the Lord. What does he mean? David wants the house of the Lord to prosper. Why? Because it's a place where you hear the voice of God. It's the place where you find rest and peace and prosperity. There's a reason that Jesus says, there's a reason that Jesus through the Holy Spirit inspires the writer of the book of Hebrews to say, do not forsake meeting together in the house of the Lord. There's a reason that pastors tell you, make weekend worship a non-negotiable in your life because it's the vehicle through which you and I are encouraged in our most difficult times. We're not trying to manipulate you or coerce you to come to church. We're simply trying to save you. The house of the Lord is where you hear the word of the Lord, but also the people of the Lord. This is beautiful. I, I mentioned a few weeks ago, I was at a very volatile place in my own life where I was experiencing something very difficult and I was trying to get my head around it. And I came to uh, our young adult event and there was a guy named Carlos who came over and prayed for me. And I mentioned that when he prayed for me, he doesn't know me and I don't know him. But when he prayed, it was like God was speaking through him at that moment to give me the right word at the right time for the encouragement that I so desperately needed. A lot of my friends that I've been praying for for a long time are now in the same growth group at our church. So there's a lot of guys I've been praying for from the golf club and all around my one life. And they're all in this one group now. Beautiful community of men who are encouraging each other and finally have come to the realization that you can't do life alone. I had three men here that I was going through a difficult time. Three of my friends, they asked me to come over to their home nine o'clock in the morning this past week. And I got there and I realized what they wanted. They just wanted to surround me and pray for me and cover me with prayer. And they gave me a sword that I'm going to put on my office door to remind me that I'm in this good fight with you. Together we're in this fight, but we need each other to give each other the right word at the right time when depression comes, when we're overwhelmed, when we just feel like sitting down and crying. And let me tell you something. When you feel like sitting down and weeping, you better have friends around because if not, you'll go into a deep, deep place of depression and the enemy will gain a foothold and he will come in and rob you of your joy. But if you are not forsaking the house of the Lord and you are living life in community with those who can speak the right word at the right time into your life, listen, Acts 2.17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. The language of God occurs not only in the house of the Lord, but God does give us visions and dreams. He helps us see things on behalf of one another so that when we're in community and there's this trust and faith that has been built, we can actually speak into each other's lives the right word at the right time given by the Holy Spirit activated in community. Bette Midler did a song a long time ago. 
And the title of it was From a Distance, that God is watching from a distance. Well, she's wrong. He's not watching from a distance. He's closer than the air that we breathe, so close you can hear his voice. In John 10, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And in John 1, we're told that in the beginning was the word, the logos. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh. This Holy Spirit is in us, ready to speak the right word at the right time if we live a posture where the house of the Lord is a non-negotiable. Community of friends that hold us accountable, encourage us is part of our everyday life. And we saturate our minds and hearts with the word of God. Philip Yancey said, the needle of a compass constantly turns to the north. Our present thoughts go in a certain direction. When we lean into our relationship with Jesus and our pursuit of him through word revelation, our thoughts will go in the direction of the spirit and he will open up a direct line of communication that will sustain us. God becomes the pole star of our beings as we sense his nearness throughout the day. Through the word of God written and proclaimed through the word, his church, and through community, we hear the voice of God every single day. When we become too busy or preoccupied with the things of the world, the loss is ours. We serve a God who's a loving father who wants to give us every good thing, who wants to squeeze us till the good stuff comes out, who wants to shape and conform us into the image of his son, who wants to use us for extraordinary victories. But we have a decision to make. And that decision is that we spend our lives drawing near to God so he will draw near to us. And we do that primarily through his word as it makes its way into our lives so that the Holy Spirit can fire it at the right time and the right place for ultimate victory. You know, to kind of solidify this, I want to go back to a familiar story. Dane Johnson was our men's pastor at One and All for many years. It was Christ Church of the Valley in those days. And if you know Dane, he's a big burly guy, you know, he's just bigger than life. Um, and his stories are fantastic. You, you can sit and listen to his stories about his uncle Donnie and about just his entire life growing up in Oklahoma. It's, it's quite, quite a trip, quite a journey. But my favorite story, and I want to go back and remind us because it fits so perfectly here, is when Dane told me that when his son Matt was a high school freshman at West Covina High School, he said the best way to describe Matt as a freshman was he was the Pillsbury Doughboy. He was round, rosy cheeks, lots of flab, hadn't grown into that body yet, one big, big, soft, white marshmallow. And Dane said he just started wrestling in middle school and believed it was the road he wanted to take, but now he's in high school as a freshman. And so Dane said one weekend, or whether it was a weekend or not, he said, but it was a wrestling match. The, frost, the fresh sophomore matches were happening, and he expected to see Matt wrestle, even though Matt was a freshman, very good wrestler. He said, when I arrived at the gym and the meet was about to take place, I had a conversation with Matt, my son. And Matt said, Dad, I'm wrestling varsity tonight. Our 215 weight division participant is sick, so coach asked me to wrestle in his place. And Dane said, you know, Matt didn't weigh 200 pounds. He was underweight, under strong. He was a 14-year-old, and he was going to wrestle a 17-year-old. That's a, that's a big difference in age gap, especially at that age. And uh, Matt said, or uh, uh, Dane said, he wasn't just wrestling 
you know, a varsity wrestler, I found out he was actually going to wrestle the defending varsity league champion. So this was a senior now going into a senior year versus a freshman. This was a kid entering into puberty versus a kid with chest hair coming out of a singlet. This is a boy versus a man. Dane said, I took one look at this big kid and I just began to pray, God, I pray Matt comes out of this physically and mentally intact. Lord, don't get him injured. Lord, don't let him lose his confidence and want to quit wrestling. Lord, I pray for a miracle. Dane said it would have been a miracle. And he said, I sat at, at, at the top of the stadium as far away as I could from the match, but then my pride got the best of me. And I found myself yelling out. And if you know Dane, didn't take him long to yell out. Go freshman, come on. He said, I wanted everybody to know this was a freshman wrestling this champion. Hold your position, hold your ground, he shouted. And Dane wanted everybody to know this is my son and he's a freshman and he's wrestling a senior. And Dane says, the senior beat up on my boy for three periods. He opened up a can of hurt from cross face to arm barn to chicken wing, everything but a pin. And that was surely coming. Ultimate insult after blatant injury, he said. Now, before the match, Matt had told Dane, his father, coach told me that my goal is just not to get pinned. I don't have to win the match. I just, if I can, if, if I get pinned, the other team's going to get six points and the whole team will lose the match. But if I can avoid the pin, the most they'll get is three points and our team will still win the overall match. So all I have to do is not get pinned. And coach said, just stay away from him. And Matt, he said, if you wrestle and you don't get pinned, I'm going to give you a varsity letter. That's big stuff coming to a freshman. Dane said two and a half periods sprawled out on the mat on his belly was his son getting thoroughly and decisively punished. And halfway through the match, Matt managed to score five points because this guy was so in control of the match that he would take him down to get nine points just to let Matt up. But when he did, Matt got five points. He was just scoring points. Now, the funny thing is, says Dane, that it's hard to turn a turtle over. Matt was so roundish and flabby that when the championship wrestler tried to turn him over and pin him, he just kept rolling. And finally, age and strength took over and Matt found himself turned over, belly up on the mat, very close to having both shoulders touching the mat, which would be a pin and a win. Suddenly, Dane said, I couldn't resist any, any longer. I started yelling, go give up. Nothing for free. Hang in there. You can do it. Never say die. Arching his head and rocking back and forth with his shoulders getting closer and closer to the mat, running out of courage and running out of strength. Dane gets up on his feet and yells to his son, fight, fight, fight. You can do it. Suddenly, there was a noticeable change. Dane said, the champion's trying to pull away from Matt. Because in an effort to pin Matt, the champion wrestler got too much of his weight over to one side. It was in danger of being flipped over. Dane, a seasoned wrestler himself, jumped out of his place at the top of the arena and ran down right next to the mat, as verbal parents would. And he sat down and he said, stick him, yelling to Matt just a few feet away, stick him, stick him. Matt, using his opponent's weight, headed in the wrong direction, manages to swing him over and onto the mat. He actually pinned the champion, but the official was out of, or the referee in this case, was out of position and didn't see it. And then suddenly the bell goes off. Match is over. But the referee awards Matt two points for the reversal, three points for the near fail or almost pin. Matt ends up winning the match 10 to 9, and the champion's defeated. 
The crowd went crazy. Dane laid there on the mat, exhausted, as if he himself had wrestled. All the people in the stands rushed down to celebrate the victory. Then someone shouted, whose boy is that? And Dane said, I shouted to the top of my lungs. That's my son. That's my kid. That's my boy. Matt's head pops out of the crowd. They spot each other. They run to each other. They bear hug and fall to the ground, refusing to let go. Dane said after that experience, the Lord spoke to him later on when he was contemplating everything. And through that endeavor gave him three immutable truths. That's how I want to end. Number one, your heavenly father's pulling for you and knows you're in over your head. He knows that you're limited in your understanding of everything that's going on. He knows you're outmatched by the circumstances of this world. He knows you're outmatched by an opponent who wants to pin you and have you surrender and give up. He knows that. But second, while you're in this battle, oh, Jesus is standing at the right hand of the father. He's up in his chair giving you a prevailing presence, cheering you on. He's standing up in heaven exclaiming, don't fight or don't give up rather. Fight, fight, fight. Don't give up. Don't give in. Hang in there. You can do it. Stick this, pin that. Persevere, endure. The victory is right around the corner. Even though you can't see it, even though you can't fathom it, fight. You may not see why God is allowing this to happen. You may wonder if this is the hand of God, the hand of the enemy or the hand of a fallen world, but none of that matters. You will search for answers and you probably will not find them. Your eyes may be open to your own fight nightness and you're starting to wonder if you're worthy. Remember that you have an infinite father in your corner. He has made you worthy. He is pulling for you. He's watching you. And your loyalty and worship in the midst of this unforeseen, unknown circumstance proves your worth and authenticity. And the way you're handling this wrestling match is compelling to everyone around you. The way you live and the way you die brings people far from God into his presence forever. And when you've won the match and completed the task, your heavenly father will run out on the mat and will celebrate with you and yell to the top of his voice, that's my boy, that's my son, that's my daughter. Welcome, enter into your rest, good and faithful servant. And finally, no matter how much noise and confusion is going on around you, no matter what the enemy's trying to pin you down, you'll always hear the voice of your dad. Don't worry, you're underweight and overmatched. Don't worry, your opponent is intimidating or even life-threatening, but I'm right here. And greater am I in you than he that is in the world. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. Sometimes extraordinary things are just around the corner. You're so close now. You may want to sit and cry and you wonder if God's given up on you or your friends have given up. Don't give up. Don't give in. Fight, fight, fight. And your heavenly father says to every one of you the same thing he said to his own son. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Father, thank you for the power of your word and reminding us you're for us. Never give up. Never give in. 
for he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of redemption. You will pursue us. You will often squeeze us. Sometimes you are the hammer, the file, and the furnace. You are the potter, we're the clay. But thank God, the potter loves the clay. Our Father loves us and wants us to be victorious in every endeavor. Help us to trust you and to see the connection between the spirit of the living God in us and the word of God revealing to us the right word at the right time, essential for the victories, the greatest victories of our lives in Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.